And greetings, Shabbat Shalom to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We are here in smoky Oregon. The fires are burning, the smoke is billowing in, but we're here. We've got the blue background. We were going to go with the orange background, but we just thought that would just, you know, trigger a bunch of the lefties out there, and we just didn't want to do it. We are so glad that you're joining us this Sabbath. Again, blessings to all of you that are tuning in early in the chat, and then those of you that do watch later in the comments section. Thank you for all your support. Please consider supporting this ministry with the giving of your tithes and offerings. It truly means the world that we're able to get the word out. And we're looking forward to be able to get into a new part of the scriptures coming up here after the full feasts as we close out these last few chapters of the book of Revelation. We are coming into the full feasts of Yahuwah, which are so prophetic so prophetic. Next week, we have the call of the shofar, the feast of trumpets. It's a call for war. It's a sounding of an alarm. And then we have 10 days of awe, 10 days of awe. Trials and tribulations are coming as we come into that very solemn, solemn time of Yom Kippur. But we know where that blood really is, don't we? It's not in the blood of bulls and goats, but it is the blood that has been placed upon the altar in the heavenlies by our high priest. So Yom Kippur, though it is a time of mourning, it is also a time of a surety for us in the Malkitzedic priesthood, because we know the next festival after that, just four days later, as we come into the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Feast of Sukkot, which brings us to the apocalyptic literature here in Revelation 19, because this talks about the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, if you will, because it is the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is our eschatological future. Right here in Revelation 19, this week, hopefully we'll be unpacking how the Shamaim, the heavens, exalts over Babylon, because Babylon has been judged. Mystery Babylon has been judged. And then Moshiach Yahusha comes a-riding on that white white horse in triumph. We do have a hope. We do have a future. And in this midst of smoke, which does seem so apocalyptic right now, doesn't it? Tremendously, tremendously so. We know that that's not our end. This is not our end. We have a destiny. Will we reach that destiny? Well, that's the endurance the endurance of the saints, because I'm looking for that day, as I know so many of you are, when the beast and his armies are defeated. And that is a day that is assured, that is assured, that has already taken place in history. 
because Yahweh is beyond time and he has already ordained it. We just have to endure and have the patience of the saints so that we will see that the beast and his armies will be defeated. This is Revelation chapter 19 and it's real in our time and our days. The victory. I want the victory not only in the eschatological future but in my very present each and every day when I get up and I have to face an enemy because I have to face an invisible bloody enemy every day that they're just spreading, aren't they? Like a wildfire. It's an invisible enemy that you just can't seem to pin down. It's like a a sifting, shifting sea, like a little serpent, or many of them indeed, because as we get into this chapter, We know we have a victory, but we have to wrestle for that victory. Yes, it's assured in the future, but how are we going to stay on course today? We have to have an uncompromising faith. It's been very disappointing to me the past six or nine months to see how many so-called believers have compromised, compromised with their beliefs. And I'm not talking about you guys. I'm not talking about my audience, those in the assembly here. I'm talking about those that I fellowship with 20 years ago in the Christian church. That were all gung-ho about, we have the right to assemble. And then the moment a little bit bit of pressure comes, they all close their doors. What happened to all that strength? There's one church in California, right, that, that, that... remain to stand and everybody else buckled at the first sign of pressure what about our freedom to assemble what about our religious immunities what about those things what about the book of maccabees did they just capitulate no yeah i see people capitulating left right and center and they'll say well matthew that's your stand you know you're just taking a stand well if you don't stand then you'll fall So that's been very disappointing because I think that we need to be aware today of what's happening. Very aware, number one. And number two, I think we do need to have a plan and we do need to be planning, not only spiritually. We need to be planning about what we're going to be doing in our future. And number three, we need to have an exit strategy as the saints on leaving mystery Babylon. Because here we find ourselves in this present day and we find ourselves in the 19th chapter of the apocalypse where it is written, And after these things I heard a great voice of the many people in the heavens saying, Hallelujah! salvation and glory and honor and power to Yahuwah our Elohim. That allows me to sleep at night. The hallelujah chorus. And if you want to listen to the most beautiful hallelujah chorus, then listen to Handel's Messiah, the hallelujah chorus. Of course, that is penned from these very words, and it is majestic, majestic. Salvation 
and glory and honor and power to Yahweh our Elohim. For truth and righteous are his judgments. For he has judged the great whore who did corrupt the whole earth with her fornication and has avenged the blood of his saints at her hand. What is reassuring? The eschatological victory. What is reassuring? The salvation and glory and power belong to Yahuwah our Elohim. What is really reassuring to me? is that Yahweh's judgments are true and righteous. And I look around at what's happening in Portland, Oregon, and I see our district attorneys, and I see that their judgments are wicked. As people are terrorizing Damaging property, damaging people, and they are caught and released, caught and released. And the district attorneys have come out and said they're not going to do anything. But if there's anybody who's conservative that's caught up in it, then they'll be prosecuted. So the world is going into such corruption and it's tyranny. And you think about, I think about, my history and what it was like in the dark ages in England. Especially during the Crusades. When the young men of war left for Jerusalem. And the only ones left were the sharecroppers and the tenant farmers. The knights were gone. The king was gone. And evil princes and evil men rose up and they enslaved men, women, and the uneducated. And there was tyranny. And they made up all kinds of fictitious tales of land stewards being caught up in witchcraft and called them all kinds of names so that they could make up law and color law so that they could tear away their property, so they could enchain and imprison and remove their commodities, their property and their food. That is history and I see it around us and I get nervous and people are like, oh, Matthew, you're just getting carried away. Yahweh's judgments are true and righteous. That is our eschatological future. But before we get there, how are you and I going to navigate a world of corrupt, wicked district attorneys, judges, lawyers, and those that have been corrupted because they color law? That is the time in which we live. And there are few that are standing. We need to stand, my friends, and not be afraid. Not be afraid. 
Because ultimately we know that Yahuwah, He is our defender. That He will give us the words to speak before judges, princes, kings. And we shall not fear. But tyranny is in our midst. It's everywhere, brethren. But before we get to this eschatological future, how will we navigate our present, present time? We can really see a venomous snake in this setting. I can see venomous snakes all around me. And I think of history, the Greeks, and there was Medusa. And you better not catch Medusa's eyes, because if you catch Medusa's eyes, she'll turn you into stone. You see, Medusa was that woman whose gaze just captured the imagination of anyone who would be tempted to look as we on our screens, just so tempting to look at all of this. And it catches your eyes. You become transfixed by it. You no longer can see because you've been captured by Medusa's gaze. And now you've been turned to stone. You become a masked creature captured by the vipers from Medusa's brain her hair, and this mythological creature really is symbolized here and a type of the great whore. Let me break it down for you. You see, if Medusa is a mythological type of the great whore here in Revelation 19. And you and I, before we get to our eschatological promise here, we've got to navigate and try and evade the stare of Medusa. And she wants to entice us through our devices, through social media, which has been weaponized, okay? It has been weaponized to take down this country, and it has been weaponized to enslave you all. And we are being seduced by our eyes, by Medusa, that's coming through the portal. Bear with me, because this is going to blow your mind today, if you can track with me. We do have a future here eschatologically in Revelation 19. But before we can get to that future, you have got to be able to avoid the gaze of Medusa. Because right now, Medusa is working overtime. She has been weaponized by the beast. And your devices are the very gaze of Medusa. Are you with me so far? Making sense so far? Okay, because Medusa could very well be the weaponized mythological state come into our present reality that has been weaponized by the synagogue of Satan. But the snakes are the venomous vipers that she uses to bring her prey into masked subjection. A stone face mask if she captures your gaze and you capture her gaze. The vipers that are coming off of her hair are China. 
our Saudi Arabia, our Rome, our big tech and big pharma. And they are upon Medusa's head, spitting out their poison through a weaponized form of social media. Now, they established this back in Iraq in the early 2000s. They established how to weaponize social media in Iraq and Afghanistan. Private contractors that were taken over to Iraq, to Baghdad, because back in the day, back in the days of Joseph Goebbels and the Nazis, what did they do? They just flew airplanes and they dropped pamphlets. Why do that when you can digitalize Medusa's gaze? There are whole armies of private contractors that learned this craft in the Gulf War that are now private contracting with the DNC and the deep state to literally take over this country in the next six weeks. So that's why today my warning to you is beware that you don't get caught up in the gaze of Medusa. It's been weaponized, and that is what's happening out there in the world, and it is extremely dangerous. And the origins of what I'm about to explain to you through the scripture here in Revelation 19, it is not natural. It is not normal. No matter what they tell you, it is not the new normal. It is the new supernatural. Because what they're doing is supernatural. It is a cult. It is so deep, mysterious, and dark that it terrifies me. I know our eschatological future, so the terror passes, because I have a hope and a future as you do. But I'm in the front lines, and I know so many of you are too. And we have to be careful what we disclose publicly. But beware of Medusa's gaze. Look, all this deception that is going on right now is under the snake oil, isn't it? I mean, Dr. Fauci is a snake oil salesman, if you ever... I mean, that guy, I mean, so many of these people. The mayor in Portland, a snake oil salesman. These are snake oil salesmen, and they are doing what? What is their potion going to do? It's going to guard you. It's going to protect you. If you take of this snake oil that I'm selling, you're going to be safe. You're going to be secure. Just rub it all over yourself. Breathe it in. I'm selling you snake oil. And it is under the guise of protection and safety. Protection and safety. We just came up onto the 19th anniversary of 9-11. Do you feel so much safer 19 years on with the Patriot Act? Do you? Do you feel so much safer? Because I sure as heck don't. Because my safety comes when I'm on my knees in prayer to Yahuwah. Because that's the only time you'll get me on my knees. Yet we're seeing people taking the knee for all kinds of 
what? Human, humanized reasons. Because they have no soul. Because their soul has been captured, what remains of it. And it has been subject to a Luciferian cult. But believers only bow before Yahuwah. Believers only bow before the king of kings that we shall see appear in majesty and full splendor and glory here in Revelation 19. The statistics of these snake oil salesmen is forever changing, isn't it? You just can't quite pin it down. You just can't quite pin it down. They're shapeshifters. The CDC are the kings of shapeshifting, aren't they? They just got exposed with their numbers lying a week ago. Numbers lie and liars number. A friend of mine said that to me, and I was like, that's exactly, exactly what it is. I don't believe the numbers on the left. I don't believe the numbers on the right. I don't believe any of your numbers. I don't believe my numbers. I'm not numbering. Because numbers lie, and liars number. You can make it say anything. It's all snake oil. Whether it's the COVID, whether it's the census, Dear resident, where it's the pre and post election numbers. And Medusa, that entity is behind it all. Medusa actually means protectorate, guardian. And those who behold her visage, they turn into a mask of stone, they lose their humanity. They no longer are able to see and discern because they've lost their humanity. They actually become embalmed. You see, Medusa is a reptilian that promises to be a protectorate. She's a guardian, yet once you behold her gaze, you are taken in and turned into a mask of stone. Your senses become stifled. Your visage is vanquished and you are put under a veil. Does that describe the majority of humanity right now? Does it? Or am I just making this up? They tell me that Medusa is my only protectorate that she will guard me from the disease. If I gaze into her eyes, I will be free from social unrest. The vipers are hissing from her head, and they're doing it through social media that has been weaponized. CNN, all these media sources, what do you believe? It's all snake oil. Now, I don't expect any of you, I do expect you to remember this, but many of you are just too holy to remember the 80s thrash band Anthrax. But they were obviously in communication with the beast way back then in 1985. 
because they chose Medusa for their track on their album, Spreading the Disease. Yeah. The 1980s thrash band chose Medusa for the track on their album, Spreading the Disease. Why? Here's the lyrics. Seducing you, she'll take you to the very depths of hell. No eyes to see. A statute now. Medusa laughs at you. You're her slave. Those are the lyrics from the Medusa track from Anthrax's album, Spreading the Disease. She'll take your soul to the depths of hell. No eyes to see. Once you get sucked in to the weaponized form of social media programming that's going on, you will lose all discernment. Your heart will become a stone to humanity. You will be sucked into the vortex of their propaganda. And all the time, they are mocking you and laughing at you because they're using Antifa, Black Lives Matter, to just be one of the heads of their vipers. And those will be the first people to be slaughtered with the sword that's coming. And they are laughing at your ignorance of being seduced Medusa mythology is all about spreading the disease and guarding you from it they spread the disease and then they try to capture your gaze so that then you can be sucked into the vortex turn to stone, you lose all discernment, and they're saying we are your protectorate. I don't know if any of you are tracking with me or if I've just got a little bit too deep into Greek mythology and I'm just Greeking you out today. And no, 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 this Medusa, I know we could make parallelisms, especially here on the West Coast. This isn't Kate Brown. This isn't Nancy Pelosi, even though... Nancy Pelosi was getting her hair done illegally, getting those vipers tamed illegally. And yes, she was laughing at all you who wanted to get your hair done in California and couldn't. She was mocking you. Hypocrisy abounds, does it not? Make no mistake. What we're experiencing at this amazing juncture in history it is not natural my friends it is not the new normal it is conjured up by the rulers of darkness of this world it is spiritual wickedness in high places of leadership check out this clip that we have from a conversation on Zoom.
from two leaders of BLM in California. Because remember, this isn't natural. This is supernatural. And Patrice Colors, Patrice Colors is one of the co-founders of the national, well now global BLM organization. Dr. Abdullah is a California State University professor, as well as founder of the BLM Los Angeles branch. And they're having a conversation about the spirituality that drives the Black Lives Matter movement. And in case you now don't know it yet, they ain't talking about the Holy Spirit. They're talking about channeling the powers of the ancestors, that it is the spirituality that enables them and empowers them to do this, quote unquote, justice work. I just played audio for you before the break. I may have to play that one again, where Patrice Cullors, the same one who admitted that BLM's founders are trained Marxists. That ain't all they trained in. They're not only trained in Marxism, in which, by the way, if you don't know this, Marx himself was a pagan Satanist. So they ain't really that far off the map saying they've trained Marxists and dabbling in a bit of witchcraft. And they wanted you to believe early on that it was just a hashtag. Well, if you thought that what it was, that's what it was, Patrice Cullors disabused you of that notion rather quickly. Let's play that audio again where she said, no, it's not just hashtags. We're resurrecting spirits so they can work through us. It's clip number four. It's a very important practice. Um, hashtags are for us are way more than a hashtag it is um literally almost resurrecting a spirit so they can work through us to get the work that we need to get done i started to feel personally connected and responsible and accountable to them um both from a deeply political place but also from a deeply spiritual place and um always you know, in, our, in, in my tradition, you offer things that that Her your loved one who passed away would want, you know, um, whether it's like honey or tobacco, things like that. And that's, it's so important, not just for us to be in direct relationship to our people who've passed, but also for them to know they've, we've remembered them. Um, I, I believe so many of them work through us. So many of them work through us. To remind you, this is a Zoom-style conversation between Dr. Melina Abdullah and Patrice Cullors. Now I want you to listen to Melina Abdullah, where she describes what happens when they gather. It's clip number two. When we come out into the streets and we pray, you know, the first thing that we do when we hear of a murder is we come out, we pray, we pour a libation, we build with a community where um, the person's life was stolen. And it took almost a year for me to realize that this movement is much more than a racial and social justice movement. At its core, it's a spiritual movement because we're literally standing on spilled blood, right? Yeah. And you can't pretend like that's work that's just like some organizing work. That's, you know, that's some serious stuff. Right. You can't pretend it's some organizing work. But wait, I thought they were just community organizing. That's what you thought. But wait, there's more. Clip three. 
when we say the names, right? So we speak their names, we say her name, say their names. We do that all the time that you kind of invoke that spirit and then those spirits actually become present with you. Did y'all hear that? Now y'all see all of this, the NBA, all on the jersey, say her name. They're not doing what you think they're doing. You think they're just honoring people. They are conjuring up spirits. And if you look at some of the fire worship, the libation offerings that they are pouring night after night in the downtown city streets here in Oregon. And they are saying their names, saying their names, writing them everywhere, and then threatening other people that if you don't invoke their incantations, that you will be damaged and harmed and your property will be damaged and harmed. What is going on here is not normal. It is not natural. It is what we have disclosed, wickedness. And it has a spiritual root in darkness. And they are literally doing nothing more than Baal worship. Cutting themselves and dancing around and working themselves up into a stupor as they set things on fire and they say the names as they invoke their deities and they invoke the dead. And this is what we are supposed to accept as the new normal. As believers, we cannot accept such abominations that are being force-fed down your throat. They're trying to catch your visage. They're trying to get you to turn into a heart of stone to humanity. Look at verse 3. This is our hope. The only name that we shall say is Yahweh. Yahweh, our Elohim, and his son, Yahusha. The name above all names. And again they said, Hallelujah. And his name is contained within that phrase. We shall hallel, praise Yah. We shall rejoice. And the smoke, her smoke, rose up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four creatures, they fell down and they worshipped Yahweh that sat on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praises to our Elohim, all of you, his servants and you that fear him, both small and great. So if the culmination of all things is we were created to worship, we were. And if our souls and our spirits don't find their way to worship Yahweh in spirit and truth, then Satan will stalk you for your whole life to entice you any way, even using politics, 
Black Lives Matter, Antifa, whatever, Marxism, Bolshevism, whatever it was, Druidism, many thousands of years ago, whatever, to incantate and say their names and say their names. Anything but the name, the one true name above all names. Can you see it with clarity? I'm so glad as we proceed in this section that we have come to know his name. That no, he is not the Lord. He's not some land steward and land owner from medieval England. No, he is the yod Hey wah Yahuwah, our Elohim. And it is powerful. We are witnessing the natural manifestation in today's present world, specifically here on the left coast of what will become a supernatural reality in just a short time. You see, the smoke that we are seeing in our cities this afternoon, you can now see that this is the smoke of a smoke offering. These blood of protesters, peaceful protesters, the politicians tell us, that is being spilt is a drink offering and a libation. Those aren't my words. Those are the words that you just heard from the community organizers, the leaders of BLM in California. A libation, a grain offering to their Elohim, their false, wicked gods. Say their names, say their names. Drink libations. These are words to the demons that empower them. And that's the reality of it. Verse 6, it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of much water, and the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah! For the Master Yahweh El Shaddai reigns. If you can't see the eschatological importance of saying Yahweh's name, then maybe you'd fall for the Luciferic counterfeit that is going on currently in these states in which we live. Anything to gain your visage, anything to turn your hearts to stone, anything. And this BLM movement, it's doing a great number. Because it's not just in America, it's all over the world. We've got it now flared up again in Paris, flared up again in Paris, slightly different name, but again, it's global, in London, it's everywhere. You see, the great multitude are those like us that haven't been worn down. I'm not worn down. I'm invigorated spiritually and supernaturally because I'm becoming more sanctified, more separated each and every moment. But those who've gazed into Medusa's eyes, they are becoming warmed down. 
but we will be the ones that endure because we have to now make an exit strategy for coming out of her, my people, because we need to prepare to flee into the wilderness because that is where we will shed these bodies and be transfigured into garments of light and be able to pass through stone, if you will, pass through stone. Verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. We do not give honor by saying the names of the dead. We do not give honor by tattooing the dead's names into our bodies. We do not give honor by scrawling and graffitiing the dead's names everywhere and damaging property in so doing. That is dishonor. There is no honor in such actions. What happened to society that society tells us that that is honorable? Everything we are doing as believers should be leading us to honor, should be leading us in integrity, should be leading us to be clothed in garments that are unspotted and white, fine linen of purity. Let the nations deck themselves in violet and scarlet and all kinds of glory. Because that glory, my friends, will be pulled away from them like a rug. And they will go down into the quagmire of mystery Babylon. Verse 9, and he said to me, write, blessed are they who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what we're called to. So stay focused on our calling, not Medusa's gaze. Not Medusa's gaze. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of Yahuwah. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, see that you do not fall for that nonsense. That is worldly. That is carnal. That is humanity. They take the knee and they bow down before things that they shouldn't bow down for. Social justice and any other cause. To the applause, to the applause of those about to head into the hellacious fires that are burning and burning and burning. But we find that he said unto me, see that you do not do it, for I am your fellow servant and from your Israelite brothers. You don't bow down before men. You don't bow down in honor of a man. You rise up in the presence of the gray head, yes. But you don't bow down. But you bow down before your king. You take the knee before your king, Yahuwah and Yahuwah alone, and his son who sits at his right hand. It's that simple as believers. It is that cut and dry. We cannot look into the gaze of Medusa and lose sight of our eschatological future here. And I am so dismayed at so many believers not Torah believers, but those in the church that have acquiesced to tyranny. Just a little bit. It's just a little bit. It's just a small bit, though. It's not that bad. 
It's just a small bit. It's really not that bad. Don't judge me. It's just a little bit. Where does it stop? You just acquiesce to that. Why not acquiesce to the next thing? Because you've already been tried, right? And you gave in once. So now it's going to be easier to give in again, right? And then you've given in twice. It's called temptation. You have to hate sin. Take it from a man who has been delivered from great sins in his life. All glory to Yahusha. And I was taught from a very young age that to gain the victory, I had to hate the sin. Which is why I'm so passionate and so zealous. You can't mess around with it. You have to hate it. And I hate tyranny. And everything that it stands for. And if I even smell it coming near me, I hate it. And that's why I'm so passionate in these days of lawlessness. Because I see people that don't hate it. I see people that were born in this country that don't appreciate this country. I see people that were born in this country that don't appreciate this country. And that's shocking to me. We have to have a proper perspective of who Yahuwah is and who we are. Because I know who I am. I am a filthy sinner. And my righteousness is as filthy rags. And there is no good thing in me. My heart, it is deceitfully wicked above all things. Oh, who can know it? But I do know that the lepers looked at Yahusha and they fell down and they worshipped him because they knew that he was Yahuwah in the flesh. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, I know that the rich young ruler chose another path when he could have so easily have fallen down and worshipped the master. But there was another ruler in Matthew 14, verse 33, that did worship Yahushua. I know that the disciples, they worship Yahushua. I know that Hebrews, in the first chapter, in the sixth verse, is a quotation of Psalms 97. And I know that Psalms 97 where the object of worship by angels is the concealed Yahuwah, I do know that the writer of the book of Hebrews attributes that very verse in Psalms 97 to the revealed Yahuwah, Yahusha, that he is to be worshipped. In, in contrast, we know that Cornelius was rebuked for misappropriation of worship. We know here, John, the revelator, is rebuked 
for the misappropriation of worship. And those that have been caught up in the BLM and Antifa are to be rebuked for the misappropriation of worship. It's not right. Certainly not if you name yourself as a follower of the Mashiach. You see, I really do think that BLM is angel worship. It's the very thing that we were warned, or the Colossians, I should say, were warned. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 18, it is said, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility. That means virtue signaling, basically, okay, in modern parlance. And the worshipping of angels, of course, we're talking fallen angels, the dead, say their names, say their names, ink them on the old body, chalk them on the wall, graffiti them on the stone buildings. No, write them on your jerseys and then take the knee. No, no, that's inappropriate. It's in violation of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. No, no. These people are intruding into those things which he hath not seen. They have vainly puffed up their carnal minds. That's what the scripture says. It's very clear. I can smell the smoke in here, can you? And it's not natural. It's not natural. Now, don't go to Snopes and go fact-check me on Snopes. Because if you go to fact-check me on Snopes, then you really have been bewitched by Medusa. Because Snopes is like asking the fox to take inventory of the chicken coop. So grow up and check this out. Because the fires and the smoke I'm breathing, it's not from a natural Ignition source. Yeah, we were just told by Clackamas County Sheriff's Office that they are arresting people right right up there, um, walking around with ARs and stuff, arresting these people who were intentionally setting fires. We've got fire bombers and rioters that are directly 
connected to the democratic leaders in Oregon and Antifa and BLM. That mugshot was the director of the Speaker of the House for Tina Kotek, felony riot. The director for the Speaker of the House. Working in conjunction with the district attorneys, working in conjunction with the judges in the blue states. These blue states are against the federal government. These blue states and blue politicians are against the commander-in-chief. These blue states, these blue politicians, they're against the Department of Homeland Security. But then, they've got their hand out begging for federal dollars. And they will do anything to get those federal dollars. They will conflate numbers. They will put you in quarantine. They will do anything to escalate and to magnify. They will even have operatives who work for them going out, rioting, setting stuff on fire. This is the kind of tyranny that is everywhere. It's very sobering when you see at what high levels this has gone to. We are right near the edge here, guys. Verse 11, and I saw the heavens opened, and see, this is the future that I just pray comes quickly. A white horse, and he that sat upon it was called faithful and true. Instead, we have liars, people that are corrupt, will do anything for a Federal Reserve note. Anything to gain those Federal Reserve notes, even though they won't take any leadership from the Federal Government, even though they won't take any leadership in policing. Because I know DHS could crush this in two nights. Just that simply. Crush it. But no one's got the stomach in these blue states. Instead, they're fanning the flames. And we see it, and it goes all the way to the highest levels, the highest levels. 
You just saw that mug shot. His eyes were a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Do you see there's so much that is being perverted and shadowed from the biblical prophecies? He's coming in glory to release us from tyranny. When there's going to be a fire, it's coming from righteousness, from his eyes. And his judgments, his law is pure and perfect and true. Justice reigns. And everything that we're seeing is the antithesis of this, isn't it? Everything. Right before our times, we live in unprecedented times. And to be able to be a Bible teacher in these times is such an honor. Historically, this is, and that we're in Revelation. At this time, for years people were saying, Matthew should teach Revelation. I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And then when I knew I was ready, I was ready. And here you have it. Like it or lump it. And a lot of you are liking it. And a lot of you are lumping it. But that's just Marmite. And I love Marmite. Salty as it is. I'm looking for the faithfulness and the truth. And I want it all around me. And I am not going to lose faith, even though sometimes it's very dark, extremely perilous. The fullness of Revelation 6. Remember that good news that we had all the way back with the seals, the first seal? The first seal, of course, was the marriage of the Lamb. Reveals that those who believe that Yahusha has ordained his priesthood into the sacramental rites of the Book of the Covenant, and they accepted that first of the seven seals. They obtained unity with the high priest and they escaped from the ensuing judgments. You see, right here though, in Revelation 19, we've now moved from victory in Revelation 6 to royalty and the marriage supper of the Lamb. We know that the Lamb wore a Stephanos, a crown of victory, worn by a military conqueror in the first seal, whereas the crown worn by the Lamb here in Revelation 19 is a diadema. That means it's a royal, kingly crown. So what we've gone from is military rule into kingly rule, eschatologically. But what I'm telling you is that we are now in military rule. And will we have the endurance and patience of the saints to make it into the kingly rule? Because we are now in a militarized region of the United States Corporation. That's the reality. It's fully militarized. The war flag has been flying. It's fully weaponized. What's happening in this world is an intentional setup to condition society to make the wrong choice. Whilst all the while the saints have taken the salvation of Yahusha into their very bosom. That's the fire that we need, not the fire on the streets.
We need the fire of our faith and the fire of Yahusha in our bosom. El Shaddai, Elohim's breast, is sufficient for us and is what seals us and that what is what ensure that we will be able to get through these streets of fire all around us. I know that there's going to be wars. I know that there's going to be famine and I can see the death and they are building in successive calamity. But we will grasp the marriage supper of the lamb. We know that the rider is the lamb. What was offered and later rejected in the Torah at the mountain is now to be had in eschatological finality here in Revelation 19 to the kingdom of priests. And that's what keeps us going. That's the pure hope. I love what the psalmster says in Psalm 45. Turn there with me because this is really, really so powerful. We are going to see this marriage supper, supper of the Lamb. Now, its inception point of the first seal is going to be our very first Sukkot as we exit the nations. When will that be? When will that be? Will it be this year? Some are saying it will. I know that we live in times of great expectation. But Yahweh has given us his gift of his grace that was loosed in the first seal, which was the invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He's given us his mind. He's given us his spirit. Are we now willing to exit mystery Babylon and go all the way? Revelation 19 is fascinating in apocalyptic literacy. And it was foretold in Psalm 45. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made, touching the king. My tongue is the pen of the ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Who is? The lamb, far fairer than the children of men. And John is the pen of the ready writer here, explaining it all for us. Grace is poured into thy lips. What grace? Well, the invitation to the marriage supper of the lamb. Was that grace? That was grace abounding. Therefore, Yahweh has blessed thee forever. Gird up thy sword upon thy thigh. And of course, we're at that point in the apocalyptic now of the sword girded up on Yahushua's thigh. O most mighty with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty, ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Of course, this is the riding forth now of Yahushua on the white horse here in Revelation 19, prophesied by the psalmist in Psalm 45, verse 4. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under, he, under here. 
under the, excuse me. So this is where we see the meaning of the bow in Revelation 6. And of course, the people needed to make a choice. We spoke about this so many, so many chapters earlier. It may have escaped some of you. Look at verse 6. Thy throne, O Elohim, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, Elohim, thy Elohim, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Of course, this is the anointing into the Malchizedek priesthood. All thy garments, verse 8, smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. Verse 11. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy master, and worship thou him. Who are we going to worship? No misappropriation of worship is John warned, just as we are admonished here by the psalmster. Do you see the correlation here between Psalm 45 and where John, the ready writer, was getting the detail in the apocalyptic literature? Verse 12, And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king of raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. Who's that? That's you and I in garments of white linen, unspotted. This is the saints, the virgins being brought forth into the marriage supper of the Lamb. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. When's that? That's Sukkot. The festival of coming into the king's palace. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Remember the name? The name Yahweh. That's the name that we say. Say their name? No. Say his name, Yahweh. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. We've passed right here into the apocalyptic literary form of Revelation 19. And now we come into the triumph of royalty and victory, obtaining the royal priesthood after the order of Malchizedek, which is why you have the 24 Malchizedek priests in this particular chapter. Yahushua, we know, has three public names in verses 11 to 16 of Revelation 19. He's got three public names. And each reveals aspects of his nature, if you will. Yet here, even in the eschatological battle, we still find that there are elements of Yahushua's name that do remain hidden to us. Which brings me to the true name, okay? How about the new name? 
He's going to have a brand new name. Too many times, too many arguments over the pronunciation and spelling of the name, especially in the Messianic movement. Look, we all know that the letter J was invented in 1524. Let's just move on from our pagan, pagan roots. Let's move on from our pagan traditions and let's move towards a goal in maturity. Let's leave the arguments to the denominations that are stuck in J. I don't think we should be hammering one another with the pronunciation, the spelling of the name. Let's just move on because we're going to get into a new name. We know it's yod Hey Wahe. How you pronounce that? Everybody has a different idea. I have my opinion, you have yours. But at least we're not saying the names of other gods anymore, right? So let's move into maturity because in verse 13 it says, and he was clothed with a long robe. Could have been a talit, that kind of historical garment, dipped in blood. And his name is called the Devar Yahweh, the word of Yahweh. And the armies that were in the heavens followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now, I'm not saying that you have to run out now and go and get yourself a Jewish talit, which many people have done in the past, myself included. I'm not saying that. But I'd rather you did that than go and get a, a, t- a, a tattoo of his name, which I've seen too many Christians do. And you're like, well, did you not uh, read the uh, scripture back there in Leviticus 19.28? Oh, no, 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 the law's done away with. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'd much rather you went for a Jewish talit than a Christian tattoo with a name, which, you know, just makes no sense to me. But all that to say this, verse 15, and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of El Shaddai. And he has on his garment, maybe it's a talit, a name written. Melech ha-melechim, Adon, Adonim. And I saw a heavenly angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heavens, come and gather yourselves together to the supper of the great Elohim, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Are they making war against you right now in your belief system? Trying to make war right now in the way that you worship? Trying to attack? Are they? You see, the nations are going to be so deceived that they're going to exit their bodies for a neuro link and live digital life forever. 
That's what they're going to do. They're going to be moving to literally discard their bodies so that they can neurolink and live for what they believe forever digitally. There'll be a digital self and they will have no use for the body that is now broken through vaccination. They'll leave their carcasses for food for the birds of the air. But it's not natural, the birds of the air. Because we know from the days of Abraham when he was cutting covenant that the birds came down upon the carcasses. That was demonic entities, fallen angels that are looking for a body host. And now you've uploaded to Neurolink the body, a disembodiment is now ready to be inhabited by a conjured up spiritual host of what they are doing right now. It's going to happen in tandem. As they Neurolink upload, their bodies are cast aside. They will be inhabited by the birds of the air, the fallen angels that will come up out of the river Euphrates, those disembodied spirits that are looking for a host body system. This is all in the eschatological future, and we are living in those times. Can you see it? That is the demonic principalities that will merge with Elon Musk's carcass, his flesh. They are the disembodied spirits looking for a host body. And once they gain the host body through vaccination and molecular, molecular manipulation, then they devour the host as fowls that fly in the upper heavens before they are turned and judged. I mean, I prayed that I would live an interesting life, but unpacking this stuff is beyond my wildest imagination. Let's finish up with this 20, 19th chapter, 20th verse, and take some questions from you in the chat. Get ready, chat me up, redline me, and we'll close out the 19th chapter of the apocalypse. And the beast was taken, and with him the Navi Shecher, the false prophet that performed signs before him, with which he deceived those that had looked into the gaze of Medusa through their phones and their social media accounts. All right, I'm paraphrasing, but you get what I mean, tying it in with the beginning of the teaching here. Both those that were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the remnant was slain. They were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, whose sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. <laughs> Revelation 19. What a power-packed portion that is. Let's take a little chat here and see um, where we're at here. All right. Okay. 
All right, we're up on the main camera. 45 Kimba. What does John 3.29 mean to you? Well, let's have a little butchers and see. Let's have a look and see here. Oh, John 3.29. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it be given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Mashiach, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, oh yeah, that's powerful, isn't it? Who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. How do you unpack that on the fly? I would say that what this my interpretation would be that Yochanan John, being the friend of the bridegroom, growing up amongst him as his brethren, and being the one who, who is a friend, right? Who is a friend greater, of course, Yahusha, the one that would be mikvah by John the Immerser. But because of that mikvah, then the bride gets brought into the whole priesthood. And what greater rejoicing is that, that he gets to witness? As he's standing there, he's the one really giving Yahusha away, isn't he? That is bittersweet. Bittersweet. Yes, he's the friend of the bridegroom, but he knows that that mikvah that he's about to do will also come at a great cost. So he's there in that sacramental rite, witnessing it and seeing it. That's how I would interpret it. And we could unpack that further. Yeah, well, here we go. Much more truth. Yochanan, John is Yahusha's best man. There you go. See, I'm so long-winded, and he just packed that up very nicely, very nicely there. Um, let's see what else we got. Oh, Pixie from Dixie. Shabbat Shalom, Pixie from Dixie. Do you think the Messiah, do you think the Messiah the Jewish rabbis are meet, meeting with is the false prophet? I do believe that there are many false prophets that are out there today. And this is definitely one that shall be speaking for the synagogue of Satan. 
Um, Truth Like Velcro says, so the birds inhabiting bodies equals zombie technology. Could very well be. That is a modern interpretation of the apocalypse that I see coming in in our days. Because, of course, we're right now on this precipice. Because in, we don't know how long it's going to be. Is it only going to be six weeks? There's going to be a global vaccination, okay? We know that that's going to shift humanity. It's going to be humanity 2.0, right? Already now, I can't go back and visit my mum in England. <coughs> I have to mourn that. Why? Because they they are total tyranny there. They don't have the Constitution. They've got the Magna Carta, which is fractured and split. And they're now doing mass. The whole country has to have COVID testing. Mandatory. They've got this six-by-six rule. Otherwise, you go to jail. I mean, Boris has gone bananas. Absolute bananas over there. So, you know... You can't go there. You can't go to Hawaii unless you want to, you know, go over there for two weeks of quarantine and stay in your hotel room and then come back here and then also be quarantined. I mean, the world has gone bananas. Diesel Grandpa says, I don't know, he left. Where did he go? Oh, there he is. I'm so impressed with your knowledge of the how oh, you cheeky git. I'm so impressed with your knowledge of the early 80s culture and classic music. Thank you for bringing us these powerful. <laughs> He's taken the mickey out of my anthrax statement. But he is a good man. And we love you, Diesel, Grandma and Grandpa. He says, you are covered by all of our prayers. And I know that you did listen to that track, but you also burnt the vinyl and the T-shirts because I have video proof of it. Yashub says, what does Luke 21:36 mean to you? Escape doesn't equal protected, right? I don't know. Let's look. Luke 21... Guys are getting all deep on me, quoting scripture. I love it. Luke 21, 36. Oh, yeah, I love it. But now, he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a, nap- a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that... Th- that that this which is written must be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said to him, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, that's enough, boys. You only need a handgun, a short sword, and a long gun, a long sword. And that is enough. So there's my interpretation. What does it mean to me? It means that you don't become some kind of pacifist. We're not Quakers, even though I do like Quaker oatmeal. We're not a bunch of Quakers. We've read the Torah, and we realized when we left Egypt that we knew that Amalek was on our tail, and we have a moral and spiritual responsibility to take 
care of one another and to turn the other cheek. What does that mean, to be pacifists? No. It means that you give somebody the benefit of the doubt. You pray for peace and prepare for war. I'm not going to go out and be an aggressor. I am a defender of the weak. That is what we're to be. And when you need to defend, you better be armed and able to do such. That's what it's saying, I think. But, you know... Jim Gerdeson says, in Minnesota, it seems like the sheep are loving the masks. Masks. Many people I see wearing them even when it's not required. Very sad. Why is that, Jim? Because it is psychological. This stuff is so psychological. They have been doing tests on this since the early 60s on how to do it. Break down society then enslave society in a fear consciousness. And a group consciousness becomes almost euphoric to them. And then they have a subculture. It's all psychological. They've done so many studies of it that then you become part of that subculture herd mentality where then you feel a kinship in the midst of pandemic and for you then to remove the mask you would feel an alien awash at sea isolated and targeted and terrified right so think of sheep as you've just stated sheep they'll even huddle into a very very dangerous spot rather than go off out on their own, even if the lone sheep was to escape into a safer pasture. They'd rather stay with the huddle. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. So, anyway, my goodness, what days and ages we live in. Giant Killer says, it is more important now more than ever to know and proclaim Yahweh's name loudly and proudly it is. And Giant Killer makes some great hats, and he has got the yod Hey wah hat. Maybe pop a link up here for us, Giant Killer, on where we can get some of your messianic bling. Giant Killer there. He's made a few hats for me and my family, and we're very thankful, and T-shirts too. But yes, I love proclaiming the name. Much more truth. How close do you think we are to war and famine? Oh, I'd say about six weeks. I'm not prophesying because people will be like, oh, it didn't work. No, look, it's all speculation and theory. We don't. I'm not predicting. That's called soothsaying. You be alert. You be aware of the times. We don't know. Again, be prepared. Giant Killer says again, so important. And in that day you shall say, praise Yahweh, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted. There you go. Isaiah chapter 12 verse 4 totally, totally ties in with the word, of course, of the apocalyptic Revelation 19. Now here, Jim Gerdeson says, wow, how can we get in touch? Oh, she is my neighbor, but drives there and stays four days. So, okay, he's having a conversation with somebody else. He just popped out 
that um, at me here. Let's see. Here's a great question. Cody FLT. Shabbat Shalom, Cody FLT. Can husbands and wives baptize each other in Yahusha's name? Yes. Yes, yes. You know, I have done so many amazing things in ministry. I, I've had um, somebody call me up from another state and uh, on the telephone, obviously, and, uh, <laughs> and um, walked down to the waters and I prayed for them on the phone and then they put the phone down and walked into the waters of mikvah. And um, so, yes, yes. Definitely, definitely. We had a wonderful mikvah last Sunday, posted that on Facebook. We found a wonderful spot up here in Oregon. Of course, that was before the smoke, so. Oh, look. Chris, FEMA Region 4, I say we all wear Nixon masks in public. Really screw with the AI. There you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, Breathe, Think, Love, Harmony Home says, Are mask wearing and how majority conforms so easily? Search in YouTube the conformity experiment, default setting of our flesh, low part of the brain. We are called not to conform to the world. Well, there you go. We are called not to conform to the world. So powerful and so simply true. Simply true. I love it. Let's see what else we got. Oh, here goes Cindy Partlow. She says Luciferians hide agendas in their names. Just wanted to share that Anthony Fauci's name means Anthony Praiseworth. Fauci sickle. So Anthony, Anthony Fauci means praiseworthy sickle. Well, there you go. He's going to be reaping a harvest for himself. Chris and Chelsea down in the southern part of Oregon in the smoke and fire. Shabbat shalom, mishpocha. At this very moment, we are in apocalypse boot camp. Yes, we are. Thank you for helping us to train and prepare for what's coming. We are praying for you. Thank you. I hope you've got a garden going on down there. I know you guys have got some acreage. So, yes, we do need to be in touch. Go to Torah to the Tribes forward slash connect and make those connections. Remember, next week we do have the Feast of Trumpets on Zoom and we'll be connecting. So check out the website and check out our Shabbat Fellowship on Facebook and you will get a lot of information from our dear sister Tamara down there in Arizona. So we are coming to the end of the chat here. Unless you have something profound. Oh, we do have my brother. Hope to see you here in the next week or so, maybe when the smoke clears. How is the smoke over there in Dufa, Mr. Niebling? Kevin Niebling, he says, when you see the Antifa bird woman coming to attack, go after her in boldness in his name. Yahweh will lift you up above her and she will fall powerless. I love it. Definitely. Definitely. There is a link in the chat right now, live chat, 
on the Torah to the tribes, Shabbat fellowship, of course, announcement to join our covenant calendar club, sign up here, and she may even throw up another one up in the chat here on the um, Feast of Trumpets connection, okay? Sisters Gathering is up there in the chat. There's a lot of stuff going up in the chat. Brothers Gathering up in the chat. Please remember, subscribe to the channel. Give us a thumbs up if you're still with us. I know you're still with us. Give us some thumbs up. It really does make a difference. Google Analytics and Torah to the tribes. You know, we don't do too well together. They, they don't, they flag this stuff. I mean, within, within, what was it, 10 minutes last week, they totally scrapped most of the advertising because they, they've got those Google bots and they didn't like some of the words that I used. So just crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Moss, Mo Das, Mo Das says this. Since these people claiming they are Jews are the synagogue of S.A. Tan, is the food they label as kosher good for consumption since they bless it and they worship S.A. Tan and not Yahuwah? Well, that is a very good question. You know, um, personally, you know, everybody's different. I do not consume stuff that has got... Um, um, I do not consume stuff that has been got the halal symbol on it. Okay, that's me. But I do consume the kosher certification. Now, why? Because I've done, a, I've looked a lot into it, and it doesn't mean just because it's kosher, it's healthy. Okay, because there's a lot of un. I mean, maybe skittles are kosher. Doesn't mean that it's healthy. So don't just go on with that. But what I do know is when you get into the meat, um, it has been deveined, very important, if, if that is important to you. Um, it has, it's not trife, meaning it didn't come from an injured animal. Um, the deveining is huge, and the blood being poured out on the ground like water is huge. Now, is, is it better to get organic? Um, can you kosher kill your own food? And, you know, that's all, that's all a stewardship question. And every family has to make their own family decision, okay? So for me, I do keep biblical kosher, but there are certain families that I know that I trust and they get their meat from different sources, but I do know that they're very aware of the biblical commandment and so I have asked questions for conscience sake, and I've, I trust certain families that I know that they have made their decisions. So it's all about a community coming together and asking questions for conscience sake. And once your conscience, its conscience is eased, as it says in Paul wrote to the Corinthians, then proceed. So, you know, long-winded Matthew. Long-winded. We do have, above that chat from Modas, we do have an announcement for, of course, the worship service, September the 16th at 5 p.m. Pacific Smoky Time. Sign up at that URL. URL, that is it. So anyway, um, yeah, wow. 
Libby, how are you, Libby, at the Libby Tube? I see you in the chat. I pray, sister, you are doing well and being mightily blessed in your ministry. Libby does a great job, and I got to visit and meet her last Sukkot. Can't believe it. Chris from FEMA Region 4, thanks for the video of you shooting the fully auto 50 cow. Very nice, must say, must say. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Hope you'll be bringing that up when you um, exit um, your state. Kevin Niebling, keep your eyes out for ice pock lobotomy. What is that? <laughs> Kevin Niebling, ice pick. Who's ice pick lobotomy? What are you talking about, man? You always come up with the most interesting things here in the chat. Maybe I'm just um, not, not in on the conversation and I missed something. But anyway, I see Jose down in Florida. Shabbat Shalom, Jose. You're looking um, like you are ready for, of course, to host, I think, with Tamara on the Feast of Trumpets. So we're looking forward to connecting with you, Jose. Let's see what else. Wow, no, I did not see that. Jim Gerdeson, did you see a large Baptist church in California is being shut down by a federal judge? Oh, John MacArthur. Wow, yes, he was the one I was talking about. Is he being shut down by a federal judge? I just wonder how that works with um, legally. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a, again, a lot of coloring of law going on right now, which uh, they'll get their own. They'll get it. It's all going to come down for righteous judgment. Oh, the Trotsky ice pick, Thomas Hughes. Trotsky ice pick. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Ah. Renard Ephraim, they're saying guillotines for those who don't get vaxxed. Now, hmm. I could tell you a story about guillotines, specifically in California, but I can't, can I? Shouldn't have even said anything. Sorry. But yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Careful out there. Oh, Yashub is in Austria. They shut down mosques here in Austria sometime ago as well. I'm surprised they got away with that. Really? Wow. Huh? My goodness. Ah, there you go. Renard Ephraim, their 501c3, so feds can close. Well, there you have it. There you have it. That's why. Exactly. See? How can a federal judge disobey the Constitution of the United States? How can a pastor contract with the state? That's the bigger question to ask, right? Hmm. Telling you, telling you. It's all about contract. They want to reel you in, man. Reel you in. 
And we'll finish up with a very, very profound statement from Mr. Kevin Niebling. In summation, they're all a bunch of Jesuits. And there you have it. Shabbat Shalom. We'll catch you, Yah willing, next week on Revelation 20. And literally, literally, I can say it literally now. I'll see you when the smoke clears.